This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello and welcome to AMA's Moving Medicine video and podcast, a series that amplifies physician voices and highlights developments and achievements throughout medicine. I'm excited to kick off our first video of Moving Medicine with the AMA's incoming president, Dr. Gerald Harmon, a family medicine specialist in Polly's Island, South Carolina, who share his priorities for the coming year. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Well, Dr. Harmon, congratulations on your term as AMA's 176th president, which officially starts after your inauguration ceremony tonight. Uh, you're taking the helm at a challenging but also hopeful time uh, as for physicians in our country. Over half of the U.S. population has, has, re has received at least one COVID vaccine, and much of the country is getting back to at least some level of normalcy. Talk to us about your priorities uh, in dealing with the pandemic and moving beyond it as we, uh, as we progress. Thank you, Todd. Very kind. Thanks for having me here. You're right. It's, a, it's an incredibly busy, dynamic time, uh, certainly challenging, but I think the silver lining of all these challenges is an underlying uh, hope, optimism. I, I've described myself and probably been accurately diagnosed as a pathological optimist. I know that we're going to get better. I know we're going to come out of this stronger than before. I have incredible faith in the system, in our country, and in uh, in the profession. So we're going to do well. My, my goal is going to be those of the AMA. Not, not surprising. It's, it's a it, obviously a pat answer, but I think the AMA's goals align appropriately and very accurately in this dynamic world. We need to recover from the pandemic. We need to establish access to care, reduce those obstacles. And with regard to the COVID pandemic response, particularly, we need to establish a broad base of vaccination and understand how safe this vaccine is, how it's the best answer to recover from the COVID pandemic, not only in the past and in the present, but in the future. You know, what's interesting is there there have been there's so, so much innovation, so to speak, uh, over the past year. I think a big focus will be making sure that we, you know, continue the progress in those areas and we don't kind of roll back to uh, business as usual. Is that kind of how you're feeling? Yeah, again, this is, this is exactly what we need to be doing. And, and you're right. The, um, the, the progress we have made, and, and I've had it in other interviews and I've had it discussed at other levels, the, policy, the progress we've made in telehealth, in telemedicine, has been incredible. We've moved more over the last 18 months than one would have thought we could have done in 10 to 18 years. So now we have distance medicine. We have uh, qualified recognition that it is a valid way to provide medical care to a limited population and, and, and appropriate resources. And we'd like to see that the um, current policies that are in effect by the regulators are continued on in the post-pandemic years or the post-pandemic future for sure. Yeah, I think we discovered through the pandemic, it's not, you know, just a technology issue. There's so many parts of that ecosystem that have to come together to make something like telehealth work. You know, when you think, again, beyond the kind of the pandemic in terms of what the top priorities are in this kind of transitional time, are there any of the things that kind of float to the top of your particular list? Well, in addition to telehealth, which has uh, exposed uh, not only an opportunity, but a gap in care, because some of our uh, uh, rural areas like South Carolina, which is essentially a, a rural state. We, we don't have large metropolitan areas and we don't have a, as many tall buildings as you see in the photographs and pictures because they're not necessarily here. 
I would hesitate to use the term skyscrapers. We don't have a real urban environment. We have a largely rural environment. And then telehealth doesn't reach out in rural areas very well. I know when I drive to work, there's even a gap when I drive between my, my home and my office. And certainly when I travel uh, some distance to other parts of the state, I might be without telephone or cell coverage for a half an hour. So broadband and our uh, digital health coverage is is sparse in some areas, not only in my state, but America. So that's that's certainly a, a gap. And then we find that in, in addition to the, the telehealth concerns, we need to look at reducing other barriers to care that have been somewhat exposed by the COVID pandemic, such as prior authorization, um, uh, approval of treatments, not just medications, but various treatments. We have new technologies available to us too. And I wanna see those barriers that have been reduced a little bit continue to be even more improved in our advocacy efforts. Well, uh, speaking of gaps, uh, one of the big gaps that's been pointed out through the pandemic is in the arena of health equity. And you have been really involved in AMA's early work in the health equity space. And I think you're gonna see a big chance uh, to advance that uh, during your presidency. How do you see you know, the work expanding and continuing under your leadership? Well, thank you, Todd. We have the AMA board, the leadership, the House of Delegates has really taken pretty strong stands in advancing health equity over the last several years. I'd say we started about a decade ago. We actually started clearly a long time ago, but in the past decade, we've been making substantial incremental improvements in addressing health disparities. And we were on path to do this before we had the COVID pandemic that exposed some of the gaps from uh, the COVID impact on communities of color, marginalized communities in, in certain areas of America. We were actually, we formed a, uh, a health equity task force in 2017 House of Delegates directed the Board of Trustees, I happened to be assuming the chairmanship at the time, to address health equities, to come up with a vehicle to address health disparities. And we formed a task force. It was chaired by a current, current uh, trustee, or two current, it was chaired by a current trustee and had other trustee members. And we uh, solicited input from a, a wide variety of uh, physicians to, who had public health, uh, health disparity experience, to report back a year later. And in 2018, we actually got that report back. We decided we're gonna have an annual report from the AMA board to the House of Delegates. 2019, we formed uh, the Center for Health Equity, the AMA, and we have moved right along. This was well before, years before the COVID pandemic exposed some issues. And with the release of AMA's uh, plan for health equity, uh, are you seeing, uh, you know, increased energy and focus from the House and from physicians across the country? Todd, we clearly are. Uh, it's, uh, it's not without some conversational issues. These are difficult conversations that many of us have been experiencing over the last uh, several years, for sure. It's something that we need more educational opportunities about. We need to be willing to learn and receive perspectives and accept the realities. You know, the AMA House of Delegates last year in, in our meeting in 2020, uh, defined and established uh, that racism is a public health threat, that it is a, a, a existent right now. It's a social and bio, not a biological construct. And we also took the difficult step of recognizing that some uh, police brutality uh, disparities is a direct result of uh, uh, a manifestation of racism. Those are three broad steps forward in declaration from the House of Delegates that really were, again, in advance of the COVID pandemic. 
Medicine doesn't stand still, and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine, they shape its future. Help move medicine, join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. And if you haven't seen it yet, viewers out there can download the entire AMA plan uh, from the AMA website. I encourage you to do that. Um, Dr. Harmon, uh, one thing people might not know about you is that you're a retired major general in the U.S. Air Force, uh, and you had a long career in the military. Can you talk about how that experience is going to you know, inform and guide your leadership at the AMA? I can only... I can only thank the United States and the United States Air Force for letting me serve so long. I was oh, 35 years in. They taught me so much about myself, about the uh, uh, strength of the American people, the uh, talents that I might find among my colleagues in the military, especially in the medical uh, core of the United States military. I was in the Air Force, as you indicated. That is such a great organization. You, you, you get to trust people literally with weapons, that, that if, if you are in a situation and you say, hey, I'm going to go somewhere, will you protect me? You can guarantee to take them at their word that they will take care of you. And uh, beyond the basic uh, attributes of trust and confidence in the abilities, one of the things you learned in the military, and I, I think I carry it with me now, is you get to compartmentalize. When you have a strategic arc you want to accomplish, you have a goal, there are a number of steps that the military will teach you that you have to take tactical plans and, and, and put them in, 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 in an effort to have an accomplished outcome. One of the things that we, uh, we learned in the military, though, is when you're doing these plans, you can't get distracted and you have to be able to compartmentalize things, much as doctors do every day anyway. We might have some personal issues. We might have even experienced something like difficulty getting to work or the weather's impacting us. I get out of, to, to go to work at the hospital, for instance, and it's raining. And so I'm thinking oh, I'm going to get my coat wet or something. Those are, you know, environmental issues. But when I go to an exam room or go into a, a patient's room or I de deal with a difficult clinical diagnosis, I compartmentalize everything else and I'm 100% focused on that patient. That's what doctors do every day, much like the military taught me to do. Dr. Herman, you've talked about the need for physicians, residents, and students to, quote, act worthy of yourselves. What does that mean? You know, I really hadn't thought much about that phrase, act worthy of yourselves, until one of my colleagues from my military background, again, one of my fighter pilot colleagues that I uh, met over 35 years ago when I was in a, uh, assigned as a flight surgeon for the uh, for, uh, fighter squadron flying uh, F-16s at the time. One of my uh, squadron leaders uh, was a, a gentleman whose call sign is Waldo, is in the great Waldo of aeronautical flame, he, uh, fame. He still thinks he's the great Waldo, and he is. But anyway, he had uh, various signs of motivational aspect in his, in his office, and he's a good arbiter of what's important in life and what really is just uh, interference. He sent me an email about uh, a year, within the past year, and, and to the entire reserve, uh, retired squadron uh, fighter pilot mates, that as we're approaching the uh, election of 2020, he suggested that all of us need to participate in that election and act worthy of ourselves. That's a quote from a Revolutionary War general who was also a major general and a military uh, commander, Major General Joseph Warren. He gave a speech before the Battle of Buckner Hill saying, act worthy of yourselves, because upon which uh, the outcome of that battle would depend and uh, affect millions of Americans yet unborn. So when we went into battle, when we go into the battle against COVID and every other healthcare challenge of the day, 
we as physicians need to act worthy of ourselves because our efforts will have impact for generations of Americans, even yet unborn. Well, uh, as we hope the worst of the pandemic is behind us, do you have any kind of final thoughts or words that you'd like to offer physicians at this very pivotal moment? This is a pivotal moment. Todd, we also, while we're acting worthy of ourselves and we're challenged every day, and I'm asking you and we're asking ourselves to compartmentalize, to address the patient's need as a highest priority, one of the things is we, we get pummeled with fighting against regulatory burdens, against the uncertainty of uh, uh, future compensation, uh, uh, removing these obstacles and barriers to care. As we address the very serious issue and urgent problem of health equity, we need to remember why we went into medicine, what we read on that application to medical school. I want to serve humanity. I want to give back to my colleagues. I want to be worthwhile as a physician. I feel qualified to do it. I know I have the ability, just give me the chance. We've got our chance now. And I think we need to remember that why. Well, thanks so much, Dr. Harmon, for being our first guest on this uh, video segment of AMA Moving Medicine series. Uh, We wish you the best of luck in your term as the AMA president. We'll look forward to having you back many times over the course of the coming year. Uh, If you'd like to watch tonight's inauguration ceremony beginning at 6 p.m. Central Time, you can find the link in the YouTube description. Space is limited, uh, so please come in early. Uh, You can join us for future episodes and podcasts of Moving Medicine by subscribing at ama-assn.org slash podcast. Thank you for joining us. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.